0: Did the Osbournes kill Jamie's crib crashers?
1: They did a spinoff called Cribs, and the Osbournes' house was one of the first Cribs, and so they didn't need me anymore. <laughs>
0: Find out next on Scandalabra. Hello everyone, and welcome to Scandalabra. We are so fortunate to have an amazing guest on today. Not only one of Los Angeles's top designers, uh, author, social entrepreneur, and activist. But more importantly, I get to call her my friend. Welcome to the show, Jamie Rummerfield
1: Hi, Mark. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks. So, um, you know, I was thinking as I was getting ready and getting excited about talking to you, it's been almost 20 years that we've known each other. So take us back. What? 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 I think it was a show on Style Network called Area, right, that we did?
1: Right. I think we're maybe like 12 years old, that's, you know, because we're, we're not that old yet. Oh. But no, we, it has been almost 20 years, which I can't believe. And you look amazing, Jill. Oh. Um, <laughs> well,
0: thank you. As you.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Um, but we, I don't know, being in design, in the world of design, and have, I guess living in Los Angeles, both of us, um, you get approached to do TV. And that's when TV was just really getting... Big with the introduction of interior design. I think we were kind of on the forefront. We were definitely
0: on the forefront. It was way before extreme, way before so many other design shows.
1: Way before any do-it-yourself. I feel like, you know, there was just maybe one flipping type makeover TV. And so the Style Network approached us and we were young and enthusiastic and did some really awesome makeovers for the network
0: well you know it's funny you say that they're awesome because i don't know if you've ever had this experience but when you look back at some of your original work and you're like damn like okay <laughs> like well first of all just so everyone knows we actually made over two dorm rooms at I, usc yeah, yeah. At usc right here mm-hmm. in los angeles uh downtown and i did this guy's room and you did a girl's room right the right student. yeah right and um my, all I remember about it is I had an Eames chair, so many things that, you know, your typical kid in college would never have in their right. own room. I totally. mean, I install corrugated metal and sconces <laughs> and just all these layers and ridiculous stuff. And I think I remember yours. It was very, was it girly? Like, was it pink?
1: Well, it was. And it was like a lot of draped fabric and canopy and lighting all over the ceiling. And it was just, you know over the top for a dorm room. I think both you and I, like a student would never be able to afford it, but it was just such an amazing transformation. I mean, it would, I would have it as a dorm and, um, it was just fun. I I admire our ambition and energy that we had at that age to film something like this in one day, just turn around a room like that.
0: Speaking of ambition and energy, do you feel like you have the same ambition and energy today on projects or do you have to find it? You know? <laughs>
1: You know, I have the same passion. I just know, I admire the next generations that have all that ambition and energy. And they, people who come work with us that I like to borrow that, you know, just kind of tap into it with them. I think I'm more methodical now. Yeah, after having all these chapters in design, I still appreciate it, but definitely don't. um, (laughs) I just can't go 12 hours of, you know hands-on labor
0: <laughs> yeah no it's exhausting um, it is. But, but i think you're right you're when you talk about methodology you, we figure it out right you we do figure out how to streamline get what we need get the job done now do you feel like you become friends with your clients
1: i do and i'm not looking for friends in clients i think <laughs> well, you a make difference. that very
0: clear up front
1: <laughs> <laughs> that we you know this is a working relationship but Ultimately, when you spend so much time in someone's personal space, you get to know them really well, and and that is the bonus. It's really nice to um, develop a friendship, or you know that tr- again, a trusted dynamic with someone where they are comfortable with you and vice versa because you spend a lot of time together.
0: You know, uh, I'm really fortunate that we met in TV design, but at the, at the end of the day, our kind of trajectory of our careers was somewhat different. Um, right. you know, I'm thinking back to when you were Hollywood's top 20 interior designers by the Hollywood reporter.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm thinking, Oh, I ended up on this little show called clean house, but I'd like to draw little, a
1: that was yeah. huge, huge hit.
0: It was around for a while. I think uh, you pointed to something that I'd like to talk about, which is I always felt so guilty because, you know, the home makeover genre, were we disservicing people? Were we telling people that they could make over in a house in a weekend? And you and I both know, like you said, projects take years, sometimes eight, two, three years. Yeah. I mean, such a disparity, the gap, right? It is.
1: And I I think it, you know, I didn't. I wouldn't say you were give, doing a disservice, but I think the home makeover ne- networks in general are a disservice to the true spirit of design. It really cheapens it. <laughs> so, um, and that's you know DIY is a huge category, but that is not just what design is about. It's only one of the many facets of design. It's like fashion. That's kind of the Forever Twenty One of design. Sure, um,
0: the and past then fashion.
1: Mm-hmm. Fast fashion, there's fast d- design, and then there's high-end high refined design as well, which is what category. I think, again, the long-term committed clients who invest in their homes are going to want that level of design.
0: So has the pandemic taught you anything? Has it made you better at something? Has it annoyed you? Um, what's different about your business and kind of how you operate in the wake of that?
1: You know, I think the pandemic has helped prioritize life in general. So it's really easy to get wrapped up in more work and be a workaholic. I don't think a lot of people realize how involved design is, the interior design architecture professions, really one of the hardest careers. <laughs> I think it was in Forbes as like one of the top three most stressful jobs is interior design.
0: I wouldn't doubt it. You well, know, because everyone thinks it's glamorous, right? They, they and that it's easy going to parties, and, walking red carpets, hanging out just, in Hollywood and you right, know, having cocktails and, 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 and
1: throwing a pillow here. And, <laughs> I can do that. Sure. You know, there's a lot of self-proclaimed decorators, which is fine. I mean, it starts with talent, but then you really do have to follow through. And it's a service. It's a service business. And you have clients that are demanding. And so we, again, create boundaries to avoid drama and really weed out. Clients to just have people who are committed to the work and and value what we do, which is really important. And so, with that said, the pandemic has even made more clarity of that. And so, to find the balance and the gratitude, I think at this point in my career, I'm really grateful for all these amazing chapters. And here in Hollywood and Los Angeles all the incredible clients we've had and people we've met that you're just, um, off the charts, like it's fascinating and, and personalities and whether it's musicians, celebrities, these are creative people as well. And they like to do amazing spaces. So we've had the latitude to do some very cool projects.
0: Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, your portfolio is just so off the charts and impressive. Um, you know, it leads me to this question, like, what's your biggest brag? You know, and, yeah, <laughs> you have a lot to brag about, but in your mind, what's your biggest brag?
1: I, I don't even know. I mean, I, it's like, I, well, first of all, we have a lot of very private clients, but I have to say we, we do so many people in the music industry and that is a treat in itself when you're hearing like someone warming up their voice that you know that voice so well, or you're, um, you know, again, where people trust you to be in their space. And, um, I don't know, going to one client who we've, I've known again, probably as long as you, Mark, she was one of my first clients and it's Courtney love. And I'm still working with her today. She on a project and London and she's the most, like a really important person to me and vice versa. So it's nice to, um, forge these friendships and people are people at the end of the day. And so that's always enriched my life is to have people like that around.
0: So you say we, and so, so everyone knows, I trust you're talking about your partner, Ron. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, is he the yin to your yang
1: Ron Woodson is the other half of our company and he is, you know, from looks, we couldn't be more opposite. He is very handsome, black man, gay. I'm straight, white, married gal. Thank thank you. And, and we, when we first met, in fact, we were introduced by mutual friends and who were like, you have to meet each other because you guys have so much in common. And we were like, how is that even possible? And it turned out our sensibilities were really complimentary. And it was just kind of kismet from the very beginning and and very magical, like charmed. So we know that that's a high connection. We both had our own interior design practices. Again, I met you before I met Ron, I think. (laughs) And um, we were doing our own thing. And we started talking often about what our goals were. And they were so similar. We said, you know what? I want to open a storefront, and he said, "So do I." I said, "Let's do it." And so we really merged into this um, synergy on to La Boulevard into a bo- boutique like showroom storefront. And our design office merged, and it was on the second floor of that building. and we never looked back, like we just had the most interesting adventure together, and the chapters keep coming, and they're just like it keeps growing into this really amazing story.
0: Well, I think you also speak to this idea that design is really not all aesthetics, you know, because, you know, if you look at the if you judge the book by its cover, if you will, like you said, you know, maybe like, how did we ever end up working together? But the reality right. is, it's about the people. It's about people. It's about it who they are, how they work, their work ethic, their point yeah. of view, their understanding of the craft and all that stuff. So clearly you two have connected on that level. Yes. But I am curious to know, why was it not called Rummerfield and Woodson?
1: (laughs) I I just, you know what? We, I think we, we talked about it. I mean, he's, we're very balanced, like individuals and very respectful to each other, which has never changed. And I think that's why we get along so well is we respect each other. And, um, I like the sound of Bonham and Butterfield's like the auction house and, That kind, you know, we just thought the way Woodson and Rummerfield sound, it had a good ring to it. It just has worked as a brand for us, and um, it's st- it sticks.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely has. So I, I know you describe your style, at least in your work, as California, Hollywood, high end. I, I know you love California. Talk about why do you love California so much? Why do you love L.A.? Why do you love this city so much?
1: Well, both and I, both Ron and I, are natives to Los Angeles. I was originally born in Long Beach, and on my mom's side, her family is probably five generations of L.A. And my dad's parents immigrated to Los Angeles. Um, my his father's Italian, and his mother's from Mexico, and everyone kind of descended right in Los Angeles. There's so much history here, so I I just have s- so many fond men- memories of my grandparents' house, my aunt and uncle's houses, my, you know, just growing up in Southern California, it's pretty idyllic. My parents were hippies, like surfery, beachy people, but also I admired like the glamorous eras of Hollywood. My grandparents, you know, had that glamour type feel and you look at old pictures of them and there's a lot of nostalgia that um, hits me from different pockets of LA. It's really special.
0: Does that explain why when I Google search you, there's so many amazing pictures of you and Ron, just high style? I mean, that should be a coffee table book all by, all by itself.
1: Right, right. You know, <laughs> well, we do have a book and it, it it did come out almost 10 years ago now. We need to yeah, do another one. Two thousand It is a kind of a love letter to Los Angeles. And Ron has a similar history. He's born and raised here. His father was a musician who was famous in his own right. And um, his name was Buddy Woodson. And Bobby Short is Ron's uh, godfather. And there's just a lot of history in in the music industry for Ron that brings you to this glamorous time when live music and the jazz scene was so prevalent in entertainment and entertaining in the home back in the day. That's something that's a part of our DNA and it's it's where our comfort zone is.
0: Earlier you mentioned this idea of TV shows and you know the disparity and disposable design and all that. I'm very curious. First of all, what's your guilty pleasure? What's your guilty pleasure TV show that you like? Oh my to watch? gosh.
1: Well, it's funny. Saturday Night Live just did a parody on murder shows. And I think mur- <laughs> murder shows that are like, if you're ever wanting to like veg out, there's so many good like Datelines and forensic files so yeah, yeah but they they freak me out more and more as I get older I don't know why
0: <laughs> I totally agree with you I used to be a huge forensic file guy and um <laughs> you know and I thought they were like "Ooh, cool you know I know and I don't know why I mean I'm not I out don't to murder someone but I was so intrigued by, like,
1: it, it is it just takes it. you somewhere totally yeah. out of where you, your head space is. So it's kind of a good departure sometimes.
0: But I do agree with you on the creepy factor. There was a point when I yeah. just was like, you know, you're laying in your bed alone and you're just kind of like... Yeah, I don't like, need that. I don't like, need that right Added now. stress.
1: Yeah, so um, I just meditate more than anything now. Do it, <laughs> put on like a nice meditation just to put some good vibration, like some good thoughts in your head, so.
0: Sure. Okay, so that's your guilty pleasure. What is a show you just... Oh, you just can't stand. You look at it and you're just like, <laughs> how did that show ever get made? What are they doing?
1: Oh, man. Well, don't, you know, don't. I can't handle. I can't watch HTTP, a lot yeah. of HTTP. <laughs> so I think it's just the desecration of space. And but I'll get sucked in. Um, you know, I love reveals. Any, everybody does. It's such a smart concept. But when it comes to design, it is painful to um, see some of the bad advice.
0: Yeah. Anything come to mind? Any bad advice you've ever heard? Look, I'm a, I'm going to flash back for a moment because I remember <laughs> yeah. when I first started watching Trading Spaces just cuz you know it was on. It was such a big show, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, can't remember the designer's name, doesn't matter, but he was stapling paper plates around the window sill, <laughs> like around the frame, and I just was like, what the What w- are you doing? F- like there right. is scandal on every level. What are you for doing? Sure. Or then, or then they would just take paint and like paint words like family.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, No, that I can't, you know, well, again, it was like, where do you shop for that? That's like, not even, I don't know. So that's when you compare the bottom, like, okay, that must be like the very forever 21 Zara type design equivalent. And I would say, you know, restaurant. Restoration hardware falls into that category too. I just can't stand. So if you're talking about things you can't stand, that's something that um, I'm not. I don't understand why people like that. It's really poorly made furniture, and um, it's um, almost a sham, in my opinion, to yeah. the public.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I think so much of that is education. There, yeah. You know, look at the generation that's coming up now my experience of them. And we dealt a lot uh, with this on the show is they don't even know how to iron a shirt. They don't even know how to make a bed. They don't even know how to do a load of laundry. You know, it's like, seriously, like it's a lost art form. So, um, I so appreciate that you're a purist. You're sticking to your guns. You're like, this is how it's going to go. And I'm not going to do it any other way. I'm not going to sell out because you know, if anything, HGTV on so many levels has really sold out design.
1: Yeah, I feel like they just don't know. And we say this often, oh, people just don't know what they don't know. And it's true. Producers, what do they know about design, truly? And um, when you have a producer writing a show who is, it's just about kind of the wow factor or the reveal, that's a kind of a gimmick or a ordering system that you can repeat so frequently. but But that's, that's all you have to give, and so I think there's a lot of room for new design TV, and um, you know other ways to inspire people. So because that one trick pony's kind of over.
0: <laughs> I'm curious, have there has there ever been a client you wanted to fire or did fire?
1: We have fired clients. Um, I think the sooner you know it, you should, <laughs> and that's okay. You know, clients don't necessarily like being fired, but um, it's an opportunity to either course correct or move on. So it's, it's like dating. Like it, it, sometimes it's just not the right fit and and that's okay. But we really, again, as the years have gone by, we do a checklist with the client, make sure they understand communication is really key in design and contracts are critical and that's what saves friendships. So even, you know, you talk to people who, Oh, I'm doing this for a friend. It's like, even more so, it saves friendships, have an agreement, have an understanding. And because um, money makes people funny.
0: Money money makes people funny. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I've had certain clients that have literally taught me that I need to amend my contract. And I often refer to the clause as the client's name. Now, I, you know, they don't know that. And I'm not going to tell <laughs> them that. Right. Um, but I'm sure you've learned like you know, there has to be a term on this, like, you know, in a year or two years or whatever, if projects not moving forward, boom, we got to part ways. So yeah, I think it is a life lesson. Um,
1: Many, every time there's something new.
0: (laughs) So I'm curious, Jamie, what's your favorite color?
1: You know, I would say black, but I've kind of turned a corner on that one. I always thought it would be. Um, With that said, I have so so many colors that I'm drawn to, especially in design. We do very bold work and we're not known for beige, but I think an emerald green or something just that's, you know, in that arena would be my favorite is, you know, whether it's clothing, fashion, always, there's always an emerald green in the mix.
0: I wonder if that's because you're a California native, you know, connected to the water. Maybe. All right. So I'm curious to know, given that we've known each other for two decades, what's your craziest story of me or of us or, you know?
1: Well, I feel like in my fond memories of us working together, I feel like we did a couple different shows. And were we in Santa Barbara at some point? I don't know. Like, I feel like we had different locations, but... What I remember is some of the outfits we would wear that we wore in the '90s. For example, I had I, I had like these almost like acid wash I don't know jeans on that were, um, and a black tank top. Where I don't know I must have weighed like 105 pounds or something. And this is all you know. We there was no wardrobe.
0: Right. We had to
1: supply all our outfits and. There were, you know, just the different looks we had. I wish we had could find a picture because they're pretty funny, but you know, it was just of the time. We were 90s, and I remember doing MTV crib Crashers and um, just not knowing what light ahead as far as these type of makeover TV shows that became a huge hit.
0: Sure. And just for our listeners, MTV Crib Crashers was a show where they they had a person who wanted to emulate some celebrity style. So, um, who was the person that you emulated?
1: So, our client on MTV, and I think um, this is what initiated Cribs. This is before, this is pre Cribs. Okay. So, it was called Crib Crashers. And we had, um, a client who wanted to emulate Beyonce's, um, one of, one of Destiny, it was Destiny Child then, they were still Destiny's Child and, um, they took one of their songs and I can't even remember what, it was inspired from a movie too and they interviewed Destiny's Child and we translated this movie scene. And um it was like something with the devil. It was a Robert Alpacino movie. I can't even remember this, but we translated this into a room. How do you even translate a song in a movie into a room? But we did it. And um it turned out really cool. It was almost like a genie type room. <laughs> and there was poofs and ottomans and color. And yeah. and um they showed this on C- MTV for a long time. And then simultaneously they were interviewing the Osbournes and they had a really funny interview with Osbournes and they took, went to their house and interviewed them at their house. And it was such a popular interview that they did a spinoff called Cribs and the Osbournes house was one of the first Cribs. And so they didn't need me anymore, (laughs) but what we were doing with the space and the walkthroughs they were doing simultaneously and um, Crib Crashers didn't make it but cribs emerged from that
0: yeah um it's funny um so i i i I know you know this i did an episode of the show as well and my uh my guy wanted to have tommy lee's (laughs) place and all i remember is hanging a swing over an outdoor (laughs) jacuzzi that's that's (laughs) all i remember
1: i remember you did like a whole rug that became the room or something too. Like it was like the biggest rug I've ever seen. Like it was just, you know, like again, over the top. Where did we source all this stuff? I I have no idea, but we did it. And we sourced everything. You know what's <laughs> fun? A funny side note. And again, this is the chapters of the life is um, Christina Aguilera bought that Os- Osborne's house. And so it was their house that we re- totally renovated, redecorated, but we kept all of their, they had imported stained glass, like all this really beautiful stained glass, European stained glass from England and Um, The front doors were wood carved, um, gothic doors with crosses carved into them. And we kept the crosses doors and because they were Sharon imported all of this from England and they were super cool. And so it was fun. And all the floors were old, um, reclaimed like church floors. And we used them for Christina. And so it was fun to kind of incorporate that.
0: Yeah. Have you ever removed something from a house because the client didn't like it? And then you're like, I've got to do something with this. I can't just get rid of it.
1: (laughs) You know, um, I'm sure there are things that we've just said, don't get rid of it and use it. And so more, more times than not, the client has just incorporated it into their own life. Um, I would say also usually we're like, get rid of this because the furniture is usually hideous or something that (laughs) either was left behind or that they're trying to bring in. It's like, let's not use that. So I I hope it goes somewhere to die. But usually, you know, um, the best recycling is just to reuse good stuff if possible.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, um, what you call high style, because uh, I think that embodies many things, but I'd love to hear from you. How would you define high style?
1: I think, you know, we are inspired by fashion and high style is is glamour. We really like to dress up a room. There are elements of a space that create a composition that is very stylish and finished, I guess, if you will. And high style embodies that for us.
0: Yeah, lots of glam. You know what? Um, I know I'm going to ask you a question that I know is going to sound like a non sequitur because it reminds me of, you know, when you sit down on an airplane and, you know, you meet someone next to you and they're like, oh, I'm an MD. And you're like, oh, well, you know, my stomach hurts. What's wrong with me? And they're like, I, <laughs> right. I, I, how am right. I even like. remotely supposed to answer that question? <laughs> right. But I'm going to ask you the question anyway. So say there's someone out there who just, for whatever reason, can't connect with you, can't afford you. How can they bring high style? What's one little tip? What's one little thing where you can bring that sense of glam into a space?
1: I think it. I think lighting. You know, people forget to put bring out a lamp onto a side table or change this um, Home Depot light fixture in your ceiling and put up a chandelier or something that's more of a, a decorative piece of lighting. You already have the wiring there. It's not going to be expensive. Just um, really make a statement with with your lighting.
0: I think that's a great idea. Um, also, I know you lean into reflective uh, surfaces.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that goes into the high style where it's a polished surface, a lacquery type finish. A little bit of glitz and glam goes a long way. And so, polishing up um, your finishes and and uh, it doesn't have to be crazy. I think editing is a big part of good design. So a trained eye can really tell the difference between crossing the line, maybe <laughs> of too much, too too stuff. But it's it's an it's about having a refined taste in a chic space.
0: Were you born with that?
1: You know, I think I yes, I have a, a love for all things beautiful or just high aesthetics. And then I went to design school and again refined that that love and uh, harnessed it in a way that it's there's a method behind it and there's a science to design too. And I think training. Um, like you said, an MD, you can't really say you're an MD unless you've had the training. And so there is a difference in being a design doctor as well. And there's etiquette behind that too. So you could watch someone just kind of go crazy or go rogue in decorating and it's all over the map and it might be appealing, but it's easy to kind of pick it apart too.
0: So talk about going rogue. Um, Have you ever doubted yourself? Have you ever done a design that you're just like, "Mm, not sure?
1: I can't say I have, honestly. It's like I have such a love for decorating and design that um, there's almost this litmus test that it won't even get through unless it's like past like a happy, like love and applause moment. Like, okay, that's fine. Um, But the editing is important. You know, it doesn't mean the first pass is perfect, it means you keep, Kind of reevaluating or tr- turning the ideas into something bigger or better before you're done,
0: sure, so what would you say was your most shocking experience in interior design something that just really caught you off guard
1: i th- I think it's really um understanding the magnitude of what happens during the course of a project you can't under underestimate um the bigger the project, the more that can go wrong or the more that, you know, you have to be prepared for. And if you're a novice, um, doing even construction or, um, a really big planned project that has hundreds of deliverables, you really have to know your stuff. And that that is something that I don't know if you could ever prepare for, because I worked in design offices. I worked in hospitality, commercial contract design, residential, and every project has a unique set of parameters so you really have to think ahead and um i don't know there's (laughs) i think you just don't want to be caught off guard or if you are you have to be ready for some quick solutions there's there's never not an answer though or if someone tells you no i you can't take no for an answer it's like yes there's got to be a way to get this done
0: yeah that's great advice so i asked you earlier what your biggest brag was and uh You know, you could say it's doing Christina Aguilera's Walk-In Closet or (laughs) Saving the Silver Top House by Lautner. What would you say it is?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, we did Christina's whole house, including her closet, and um, she was a dream to work with. She is so talented and so creative, and, I mean, we had the best time doing her home. And with Silver Top, which is uh, John Lautner, one of his Crown jewels, pieces of architecture. We we helped in um, highlighting and spotlighting the resurrection of that. And Barbara Bester was the architect who renovated it, and Jamie Bush did the interior. And we applaud them so much for um, saving this treasure because Los Angeles is not known for saving its heritage when it comes to architecture. So that's a really important structure that has now been saved.
0: So that's a perfect segue. I know you are impassioned by saving iconic architecture in Los Angeles. Uh, so tell us a little more about that effort, that initiative, and where you're at today.
1: You know, being in the field and seeing so many beautiful estates over the years and working again in a lot of them, we have also come across people who have purchased um, beautiful properties and bring us to um, for a job walk to be hired or to work with them. And the first thing they've said is, okay, we're going to tear it down so we can build our dream house. And we're just, you know, I think one of the first, um, memories that Ron and I share in being really heartbroken over losing a house. Um, it was, it was Jim Backus's estate in Bel Air and it was a beautiful, um, classic kind of Bel Air house that, we pulled up and we were like, this is just, um, going to be amazing. This project to sure. work on
0: now, just for reference, because there's probably some listeners who were like, who is Jim Backus, but he was on Gilligan's Island. Right. He right. was Miss, yes.
1: Mr. Howell, Howell.
0: Yes, Mr. Howell.
1: And, um, yes. among many other roles and just a real staple of like a time in Hollywood glamor that existed, especially in Bel Air. And, um, And so if you're from here, you just respect and know these different eras of Hollywood living and what built Bel Air, Holmby Hills, and Beverly Hills. And so this was his home and he had just passed away. And so there's some homage there as well. And the client said, we're going to tear it down. And we, we said, we really just said, you can't, you can't tear this house down. It's too important. It's really special. And it was really good. Like, there was no need to. They said it's too small. Yeah. And we thought, why did you buy this? And it, it got a little, you know, we went back and forth and we decided not to work with them. But we also thought, we felt very helpless because we thought, who can you call to, like, there's no police, like house police to protect this house. And we called the conservancy and it just wasn't you know, there wasn't really much, um, you could do to protect them. They weren't, our preservation laws in LA are almost non-existent.
0: Uh, that's interesting. Um, so it was at the, the straw that broke the camel's back in regard to SIA and like, we got to do something.
1: It was the initiator. And then we went out to a handful more similar situations. And what broke the camel's back is we went to the chewy house by Richard Neutra and a, a realtor um, was helping us look for a double lot for a client that wanted to build a compound. And they told us, oh, you could, I'll drive you to a site that's a very large lot. And the second lot has um, a crappy old Neutra you could tear down. And we were just like, who says, like, why? That is an oxymoron. Like, there's no such thing as a crappy neutra in our book. I mean... Right. Richard Neutra is one of the modern pioneers of, you know, modern architecture. So historically speaking, um, that's a collector's piece, um, architecturally. So we went to go see it and sure enough, it's the Chewy house, which is a really well-known, um, piece of property. And Julia Schulman has a very famous photograph of its exterior that's circulated all the time. People use it. And, uh, I couldn't believe to see it in person because they hadn't been in in public domain in it was the same owner as early as it was commissioned. It was the chewys house, and Mrs. Chewy had passed away. And so we're getting at a time where a lot of the owners who commission architecture or notable architecture ha- are now passing away and you're and so we're seeing a lot of really cool houses that haven't been in the public for a long time and are now going on the market but but with that they're also getting torn down. And so we went to the conservancy and um, they finally said, well, sh-. Linda Dishman asked me, do you know how to nominate a structure? Like basically stop bothering me. Cause I like, kept we keep coming to her whistleblowing all these places that right. were, and she taught us how to um, go about it. And we said, we can do this. And we, we start, we started the nomination for that house and the conservancy did get involved, which was great. And from there, we started the nonprofit Save Iconic Architecture, which focuses on landmark nominations, as well as preservation and preservation awareness. And uh, it's been, it's took off in 2016. And we're already making a big impact, I feel.
0: Yeah. Um, And what's the latest project you're working on? What are we trying to save?
1: We're currently uh, in the middle of the nomination for the standard hotel building, which we all know and love. If you're from L.A., we've all had stories. It is um, you probably have witnessed Sunset Boulevard transforming into very large high rises. The zoning is uh, allows for very tall towers now and where Sunset Boulevard originally was two, three stories only. And that's what made it so Quaint and you know recognizable um, Ed Rocher, Ed the artist, did a big photo journal of every building on Sunset Boulevard. and if you were to compare that now, it's really um, taken a turn for the worst in my opinion, aesthetically. Sure. We just recently um, over the last six years there was a big fight to save the Lytton Savings building, which was a Hagman Meyer piece of architecture. And people, it's a love-hate with that building. It's a modern structure, bank building, Chase Bank. It was Chase Bank. And it's on the corner of Sunset and Crescent Heights. Sure. And a big zigzag roof line.
0: Yeah, and that's Gary's new project, though, isn't it?
1: Right. So it's being torn down to make way for Frank Gary's new project. And um, so that had a lot of controversy because uh, this... uh, piece of architecture was also significant in its own right. And then one of the forefront of the modern era um, examples of bank buildings and actually one of the lo- last because they're all gone. And so now this one will be demolished as well. Unfortunately.
0: Well, you know, the thing I remember most about that bank uh, location going in was the mosaic walls.
1: Yes. And so it had stained glass panels as well that were, um, it was just like um, going into a museum when you walked into it, like right. really, really well-executed design. Um, there was a history room on like the history of the area, like just a well-curated structure. And then the interior had a mezzanine and all this great um, use of light. And I don't know, it could have been adaptively reused so well. So that's that's a missed opportunity. And I think L.A. can do better with that um adaptive reuse.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for all your work. Yeah. You know, when I first heard that you and Ron were doing this, I was like, someone has to, please. This episode of Scandalabra was brought to you by misiohome.com, inspired designs for inspired living. Um so, question. If you were a piece of furniture, Jamie, you, you what who you embody were a piece of furniture, what would it be?
1: You know, I was asked this question on a panel and we had to show a picture and I showed a picture of, it was actually George Clooney's villa. It was a living room and he's sitting on a couch and he was leaning on a pillow. And I said, I'd like to be that pillow (laughs) 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 sitting with George Clooney. Like he was just like tenderly laying on it. But, you know, I don't know. I think that um, there's something to be said about... Um, a, a chaise lounge or like the Le Cabousier chaise lounge or something like that, I sure. would say.
0: Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think if I, uh, I, you know, I used to ask that question a lot of my clients just to get a sense of like how they viewed themselves personally you know, if, and, and often I would ask, are you new? Are you old? Are you remade? Are you restored? Or what's your materiality? Is it wood? Is it, you know, metal, whatever. And I would learn a lot from that question. I'd also learn a lot from this next question, which I'm very curious to ask you. Um, (laughs) this is a personal question. So if your house were burning down minus people, pets, pictures, any technology, what's the one thing you'd go in and grab?
1: Oh wow. Well, you covered all the right things already. So now it's just like, wow, that's, um, I don't know. I think, you know, when it comes down to it, cause I, my neighbor's house was on fire one night and I did grab, I didn't have kids at the time, but I grabbed my, my dog of Jack, my Jack Russell and my laptop and I left my house. And I thought that's interesting because I, I didn't have it planned out, but that's what I grabbed. But you covered those parts already. Right. Um, and so I think it would be like family heirlooms. I have some really, I even have jewel, jewelry from my great-grandfather who, he was Colombian but lived in Mexico City. And I would really be upset if I lost. It's more like personal heirlooms. like And for me, it's jewelry. He, he worked a lot with emeralds. Maybe there's the emerald green connection. And um, photos of family, I think I would be remiss if I didn't have things like that.
0: Sure. Um, so I asked that question once of a homeowner on Clean House, and um the daughter turned to me and said, uh, my skinny jeans. <laughs> what what do you think that should tell me as a designer about her taste?
1: <laughs> I you know, I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> I, I would be glad that they have some humor, I guess, but <laughs> she wasn't know. she
0: wasn't being funny, Jamie. <laughs> she <laughs> was seriously answering the question.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, it shows how, how much depth there is. And, you know, I think, I think it does show you generational too. Um, we, we work, we have millennial clients and staff members who are millennials. And then now you have Gen Z and I have to hand it to some, it's kind of a twofold, you know, some young, um, adults who are emerging, into either this profession or have the money to hire us because we have clients of all ages and um they really are interested i think they're almost so that luxury to them is not um what you can buy but it's like the story you can tell with the quality of like what is your quality of life and i am impressed with those kids who actually seek out they want to know more about history and maybe because they they crave it or they don't haven't had it. They want to learn about quality and I appreciate that. And so we're, I'm very happy to inform people about what is good design and what is not like they want the right sofa. Where should I get that? And that's kind of goes back to talking about Italian furniture versus restoration hardware and what the difference is because it's a big difference and the ones who are receptive to it, um, their spaces are incredible.
0: Sure. Well, I think also, just to add to that, uh, that generation was, I call tech born. They were born with the information in the palm of their hands. So it's Mm -hmm. so easy to research, you know. It is. so kudos to them, the ones that really want a deeper understanding. They want the origin story. They want the the providence story. They want all of that. They do, because they don't want that,
1: that spoon fed, like just feed of like, like you know they're questioning like is that really the best is is this you know one type of box store furniture the best it's really not and they want more information about what is and it's like buying a car it's like they really i mean they have like amazing cars amazing watches amazing clothes and you can see a lot of people have those things and you go into their home and it's a complete disconnect like a hideous interior or like no furniture. You're like what? you know, you spend all this money on, on clothing, cars, jewelry. And then there, there's only one black leather couch in their house. It, it like, sounds
0: like you've been in my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> I swear to God, Jamie, I, mean, I walk around my neighborhood cause you know, I have two uh, dogs and I walk around and I see this $150,000 car in a driveway and the yard is, it looks like shit. I mean, I know. I'm like how like paint your house. Get, right c- cut like your grass do like something like really
1: it just shows the disconnect of um authenticity so people who are really truly tasteful it goes across the board and people who are um having some sort of <laughs> complex maybe <laughs> have to get it together and so it says it does say a lot i think anyone who works with interiors and in space you are, it's like you have esp for it tells you a lot about the owner
0: it does. You know, it's funny you, that you say ESP because uh, I, we got to a point after nine seasons of being on the show Clean House, probably like season five or six, where, you know, you've seen the show. People have ridiculous amounts of stuff, right? Right. And, but it got to the point where we could walk in and pretty much, without even asking a question, tell exactly what the issue was, what's going on, whether they're having marital problems, whether they're <laughs> losing their you know, job, right. whether, I mean, it was so totally, it's like the design whisper, you know, it's such a talent. Absolutely.
1: Towel. It yeah. is. Yeah, And you, and it's good because you can't, not every fix is the same for everybody. And so you can't come in with the same, like, you know, ideas every time for every client.
0: Sure. How does Jamie unwind?
1: I love to go to the spa, like just to me, I think Tom Ford said, "Luxury is silence and time." So I, it is true for me too. I, I, there's so much. I tell my husband, I'm all. If I'm at work, I'm with people. If I'm at home, I'm with people. Having time to myself is very rare, actually. So, um, getting uh, just to break away—that is. And if it's a week at the beach, you know, some tropical destination, even better.
0: Sure. You you remind me of this uh, idea that, you know, when I live in a Spanish uh, house built in 38, and when I acquired the house, every room was a really strong color, like mm-hmm. terracotta and, you know, mm-hmm. red and whatever. And I, I, you know, I was in the throes of doing that every day. I was like, milk and white everywhere. It's got to just... I do not need to see color right now. So I'm curious if we walked into your house now, which I haven't walked into your house in a good couple decades and I know you've moved and you, you know, all that. But what what would describe it for us? Like what what would people feel like?
1: You know, um I have a post and beam wood and glass house. So it's a modern style, kind of case study style piece of architecture. And so it is a a very tranquil kind of respite type house, very high ceilings, um, 14, you know, spans of glass, 14 feet high. Um, It was designed by an industrial designer named James Allen Walter. And it is a a landmark. I've landmarked it. It's, It's a piece of art in its own right. And with that, I bought it um almost yeah like 18 years ago maybe and um it, it we've added some space to it it's a unique house so i think people would um see it for what it's worth as far as just an, an interesting space no there's no painted walls there's no you know like it's wood interior exterior it's a wood gotcha. wood house and glass and so it's like being in a sculpture. <laughs> so now we have kids in a house like this too. It's a lot of stairs, a lot of levels. It's almost like a loft too. Um just unique and um they've grown up in this house as well and I don't know. I think that we'd like to entertain more. We used to do it. We don't lately because there's a lot of kids toys, but it's actually evolved into a family house really nicely. Um but I wouldn't say it's pristine as far as modern house goes we are a very busy family living in a very austere looking house that's so we use what you see is what you get
0: (laughs) yeah i think that's probably the thing that surprises most people i talk to you know i know over the years people have asked wow i can't imagine what your house look like looks like and i'm like "Mm, my house is just pretty ordinary (laughs) you (laughs) collect things over the years right? You know, I I didn't design it. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this problem, but it took Eddie and I three years to get our dining room table. Do you ever (laughs) suffer from too many choices as a designer?
1: Yes. And again, with kids, I have my wish list of like, oh, the next sofa I'm going to get. And, you know, but I haven't because they just wreck everything. So it's like... We're gonna let what we have just get lived in and lived you know with, and once maybe they're older, they're ten and six right now, so um,
0: yeah, yeah, you got a little time,
1: yeah, so, but I have my list, my continuing list, but it and it is it takes time, and um we'll get there, but it'll eventually be you know plat, back to platinum chairs and a, a Steve chase sofa and just again, more of a museumy qual, like gallery feel, but that's not it right now.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're, you're a piece of art living in a piece of art. Um, that, so you just gotta, that's
1: it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you've got it. You've got to just live and be, I think, take the stress off and enjoy it.
0: This has been so much fun talking to you. I, I want to close out with one question. I'm just dying to know um, if the Jamie of today could tell the younger Jamie something, give him, give her any advice, what would it be?
1: Um, it would be enjoy the, every step of the way because everything's works out just fine and not sweat the small stuff and really go for it. Just go for it.
0: Yeah. Go for it. Well, you certainly have gone for it. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. I so great to reconnect with you. Um, I, I hope there's another 20 under our belt soon and we get to do this again. We really I think appreciate so.
1: it. I think there's just more good things to come. It's almost like, I feel like we just got started as far as, you know, doing what we do. So uh, there's, a, there's many chapters ahead and for Instagram, for Save Iconic Ar- Architecture, you can see all of what we're working on, on Instagram and the website is siaprojects.org. And my design site is w wandrdesign.com.
0: Jamie, thanks so much for being with us today or being with me. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Us, our listeners, and uh, I, I wish you well. And I'm sure we'll be talking again soon.
1: Likewise. It's so great catching up.
0: This has been an MBU production. To learn more, go to markbrunettes.com. That's M-A-R-K-B-R-U-N-E-T-Z.com.